so I really enjoyed um, what happened last time when uh, you prepped and I had not, and you brought um, a list, a listicle of <laughs> of things to the table. Um, so I ended up going about it the same way, um, which is really funny sidebar because um, one of the events in competitive collegiate speech does this exact thing where you're pulling together pieces from different genres and just mm. positioning them next to each other and see what can happen um, mm. on a related topic or theme. A forensic mashup, if you will. Ooh, that sounds bloody, though. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled, I Kool-Aid Manned My Way In. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash seven. So I have um, a good smattering of things. The first of which uh, is a quick anecdote that uh, sort of gets into the topic. So as an undergraduate, I had an internship at a publication, um, a popular online public publication. Um, it was sort of a little bit of everything, celebrity news and gossip, uh, beauty tips and reviews of products, but also pop culture, so music, movies, whatever. Um, and I had the unique privilege of getting to write for this publication. Um, it was a very interesting experience overall, this internship. Um, and one of my most distinct memories was one of the first times I actually got feedback from my manager, supervisor person, the gal who owned the site. Because um, most of the time it would just be little corrections that would go in. My stories were very short. It might be um, a quick review of an album or just an announcement of an event coming up, something like that. Um, but I was talking about... Uh, I didn't get a chance to go look for it, so who knows what it was, was even about. But in the story, um, I was talking about Bono from U2. Um, and in whatever sentence where I was introducing him, I had started this, or I had, I had introduced Bono in the story as, as saying, U2's Bono. So I had established, in case you didn't know which Bono I was talking mm -hmm. about. As opposed to uh, the Church of England's Bono mm -hmm. um, or the, uh, the um, Dallas Cowboys Bono. Right. Things get confusing. Um, so I had put that in there and the feedback on that story was basically, um, Katie, I noticed that you did this thing uh, when you talk about Bono. Um, yeah, don't don't do that. What are you what are you differentiating? Who who would not know who Bono is if you didn't put you two in front of it? And that was not a rhetorical question. She really wanted me to answer her and say who would be confused if I hadn't put you twos in front of Bono. Um, and I just sort of laughed and realized that was sort of silly and that she was sort of upset about it, um, or at least you know really wanted to uh, make me understand that that was. Um, an unnecessary and silly move. Um, so I said, oh, no, no, I see what you're saying. You're right. And she said, well, no, like, who who would be confused if you didn't put you two in front of it? Um, and I said, you know what? Among our readers, I think uh, no one, no one would be confused um, who I was talking about. And she went on to say, no, well, it's not like people have forgotten, so you're reminding them that's what he's from. Like, he's he's a present character. This No, 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 no. Um, and I remember I was debriefing from that experience. Um, I was actually talking to her mother and telling the story about, well, I just, I just got this, uh, tongue thrashing. It was ridiculous. Um, my, my supervisor person was just really harping away on this issue and it was a tiny little thing. It was, you know, four characters on the page. Um, not a terribly big deal. What's the, what's the holdup? Um, and our mother was like, um, you know that she's right, right? I mean, that <laughs> I was like, oh no, even mom. <laughs> um, yeah, but all that is to say, um, I think looking back, probably the thing I was feeling the strongest, but I couldn't articulate at the time was simply embarrassment. I didn't like being yelled at for five minutes over four characters on the page. Um, 
But what my supervisor was harping on and what I was not recognizing was the importance of audience. Hmm. Because, of course, if if a person has sought out um, celebrity, music, media, gossip, uh, updates, what's going on in the world today, um, and come to this website, they should probably already know who U2 is. Um, and especially with um, all of Bono's work in other arenas like ph- philanthropy. Um, right. He's a hard... You weren't, you weren't writing a piece for The Economist on... On Bono. Although in Bono's case in particular, I suppose even in The Economist, you probably don't need to qualify. Right. Even then, there's not a lot of other Bonos to confuse him with. Um, So yeah, so that, when I was thinking about this topic of audience, um, that came to mind pretty quickly. um, And I was drawing back that connection. Um, So other things I was thinking about on the topic of audience, um, I found a really nice quotation from... um, a person from history that I'd really like to read more about and find out more about. Um, I've been interested in him before, but um, I especially like this, and it re-reminded me of him. Uh, Frank Capra, the guy who directed, Mm -hmm. among other things, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Yeah. uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, I believe was his as well. Um, But yeah, produced and directed a number of um, now classic films. Mm. Um, yeah, I've I've seen literally dozens of his films. If we count every mm. time I've seen It's a Wonderful Life as a separate <laughs> film, very good. <laughs> but I mean, knowing that one pretty well, I think says a lot about him. Um, but yeah, so he has this great quotation that I found in my um, extensive research on the internet, of course, about this topic. Um, and he says, "I made mistakes in drama. I thought drama was when actors cried, but drama is when the audience cries." Mm, I like it. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about was um, uh, for the the entrepreneurially minded, <laughs> um, the business world, thinking about uh, a customer or client base, what a market looks like. Um, so I did a little bit of reading, um, and I'll put this in show notes. Um, just a very basic article from Forbes about knowing your audience and how um, it plays a role in success. Um, and I was drawn to a couple things just thinking about what it means to know an audience in a business sense. Um, so, so this article was sort of talking about how gathering information and, and amassing data about a population can really help you create strategies in response to that information. Um, but then this article, um, and again, I'll link it. Um, at one point, the author says, the fundamental question that every entrepreneur needs to ask is, What's the minimum dose of data collection that I can do to make smart decisions about my digital marketing and overall strategic choices? So talking about marketing strategies. Um, But then more specifically, he goes on to say, further, what information will you actually take action on? And that part is sort of what's connecting to me in other arenas, too, is... um, you may know a lot about your audience, but you still have choices to make about how you want to approach that audience. Um, so another anecdote, I was thinking about my own teaching. Um, in the class I'm teaching, we just started a project that in the past has been sort of slow starting. Um, the students get stuck in the part where they are choosing a topic or bouncing around among topics. Um, and then in the end, there's a lot of hasty research and hasty writing um, but I had this vision where I, I, I wanted to get through that first part where we're exploring topics and landing on them a little bit more quickly. So this semester, um, I, I try to provide a lot of structure. I break projects down into parts for students. Um, instead of having the first step being about identifying a topic, instead I made one of the first steps this time around be bring in three possible sources on a possible topic. Um, and it just had this radical effect. Um, I asked for three sources and people showed up with them. (laughs) I I got some emails where people were bouncing topic ideas, but because I started with the searching, the students went out, saw what was out there, saw what wouldn't work and what was more interesting to them. Um, so all those holdups about, well, I don't know what topics I want to do. I don't know what's out there. I don't know if there'd be enough information on this. Um, I only got those holdups this time around from a single student and that student hadn't tried to find any sources. (laughs) Mm. So I was thinking about how 
in this case, if we're thinking of my students as my audience, I acted as if I expected a lot from my audience, from them. I, 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 I behaved in a way in which I thought this task was possible and would be productive for the whole process. Um, and they performed that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Audience. So maybe. I like it. Yeah. 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 So maybe um, think about what sticks out to you in that smattering. So I, a couple of things um, kind of jumped out at me while you were talking that aren't quite related to the topic, but I'm going to mm-hmm. put them out there anyhow, just because they're, they might be interesting fodder for future shows. <laughs> um, or maybe they relate in some way. I'm not really seeing. Um, but the first one is on the last thing you said uh, about your students and asking them to bring in sources and, and the effect that had on, on you know, a higher completion of the task. And actually, I have, there's two things that occurred to me that aren't, aren't quite, quite an audience conversation, I think, but are worth mentioning. Um, one is the way you framed that at the very end, that you were raising the expectations and they, they rose to the occasion and performed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of another podcast uh, put out by NPR called Invisibilia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is Brand new. pretty new. Um, it's, uh, I would describe it as, uh, Radiolab and, uh, Serial had a baby. <laughs> um, but I, I'm sure others would characterize it differently. I, I liked it though. Um, one of the early episodes this year was about expectations, um, specifically, uh, of people who are facing some kind of disability. And, mm. and they followed, uh, the, the story of a, a blind person and, in his case, like literally, physically, completely blind, like his eyes have been removed. He has no physical, biological eyes, hmm. um, but who has a very active visual cortex in his brain and and uses echolocation basically to to find his way. And he does things like he leads hikes in the woods and he climbs trees and hmm. rides a bike in traffic, um, and all these essentially sighted things. Um, and and his whole worldview and what the episode was about is you know that our expectations of other people. Um, really do become true physical enhancers or limiters of what they can do. Mm. Um, you know, that is the way we treat blind people um, and act as though they can't see that causes them to not be able to navigate on their own. Mm. Um, so anyhow, the, uh, I'll put a link to that episode in show notes. Uh, the podcast is Invisibilia and just, just more on that idea of expectations mm-hmm. um, causing, causing performance. Yeah. Um. The other, the other thing that occurred to me with that, um, and this, this would probably almost certainly be a topic we want to shelve until later, but <laughs> I still want to say it while it's top of mind. The other thing that occurs to me, in addition to the fact that you raised expectations, and, and, uh, and actually I think we can probably tie this back into audience. <laughs> um, you didn't just raise the expectation, you also changed the nature of what you were asking for. Um, cause when you go from, bring me a, a topic idea or even bring me a number of topic ideas, mm-hmm. you're essentially asking them to brainstorm, to think, or to process the material that the class has gone over. Uh, whereas when you say bring me three sources, you have given them a research task. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an action. It's something to go do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of even wonder, um, just sort of, you know, thinking about an experiment, you know, so, so next semester, randomly <laughs> students to two sections and, and you can try this out. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I almost kind of wonder if, if, you know, you would have an even higher success rate. Um, although that might be hard to imagine with only one student giving you trouble on this one. <laughs> um, if you made the task even more action oriented and say, bring me three sources and we'll talk about your topic, you know, <laughs> later. Like, you guys just mm-hmm. go find three sources you're interested in. Don't even worry oh, about the topic that ties them mm-hmm. together. You know, I wonder I wonder if it was mm-hmm. the higher expectation that you gave them or if it was the fact that they had something they could go do mm-hmm. before they, you know, brainstorm or ideate or whatever douchey mm-hmm. creativity consultant word you want to throw uh, in there. Well, and let me clarify, and I, I don't know if or how this will change that theory. Um, so in the past this task, this step of find me three sources and bring them in existed. Mm -hmm. It was just later. Right. So what we started with, and this is the other clarification, what we started with was a discrete task. It was not just think of a topic and we'll talk about it when you get here on Tuesday, Mm -hmm. but it was 
you need to produce a, I can't remember what I was looking for, maybe a, a one page or, or a shorter um, topic proposal. Here are the questions that you need to think about in order an answer mm-hmm. in this document. Right. So it was still um, pretty specific, but mm-hmm. it was structured in a very different way. Right. And I think what I realized, well, it was funny because I did it. I made this jump in the, um, not because I thought it would work better, but because um, I needed the time in the schedule and I hoped it would work. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was a, um, a risk that fixed something that I didn't even know it could fix. Um, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I still think there might be something there in the, the writing of the, the topic proposal still puts the topic first. I wonder if some of the students didn't, you know, go look at what sources were available mm-hmm. and start to get ideas, you know, that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a good, it's a good addendum. Yeah. Um, no. And how. I think I was presuming they were doing that on their own to mm-hmm. arrive at the answers to my questions. Right. But I think this is, yeah, this is the ticket. <laughs> And this is this will be where I insert the um, the <laughs> priority drinking game reference to David Allen and getting things done. Woo! You may take a drink. Um, <laughs> one of the core ideas in that book, um, which by the way will be one of our topics very soon, because there's a new <laughs> edition of that book coming out tomorrow. Holy um, crap! <laughs> uh, one of the core ideas in that is is about. Uh, you know, one of the reasons things don't get done is uh, you have to think about what you need to do, you know, more more than you think you will, but less than you're afraid you might. Because really all you need to think of is, like, what's the next physical, visible action you need to take? Right. No, um, I hear you. And, yeah. and I, 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 yeah, that, and that's kind of the thing I was hearing in your story is I wonder if the idea of, of being able to more clearly picture the physical action of going to the library or typing things into a web browser and finding sources – um, was easier to visualize than topic I'm going to write about, you know, and if that, if that helped them along. Um, mm. and it, it might have, it might not have, I don't know. There are certainly dreamers who would much rather sit around and, and dream up topics than go do anything about them. Sure. So, um, you know, I, I might just identify too much with, with the other side of that spectrum. And <laughs> I'm hearing my own biases in the story. Well, uh, no, and in, in, in my lesson planning, my biases and my experiences are what's guiding it, of course, mm-hmm. um, because if a student works differently than students I've encountered before, I'm not going to be impacted by that until I see it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. No, and side note, I think <laughs> someday we need to sit down off off air and you need to um, GTD my lesson plans. Because that, <laughs> that would be fascinating now that I'm thinking about this you know, or maybe maybe we do that on air. <laughs> we, we record it and just see what comes of it. That um, could be... Exper- experimental yeah. episode. And then if it's only productive for me, then we just won't air it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, nice. Although I kind of feel like about two-thirds of these are only productive for me, so, you know, that's fine. <laughs> no, I think, it, I think it's been good for me, too. Uh, this, is, this is Max Talk Smart and X, you know self-important time it's basically <laughs> therapy for me um yeah audience um so I'm, I'm kind of thinking about when you first said it because of kind of our 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 topic um although we've talked a lot about writing and competitive speech in school so far <laughs> the the notional theme of the podcast is also kind of work oriented um, and, and again, I'll also say, I mean, work in the, obviously in the bigger sense, like, you know, the David Allen sense of just everything you need to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I often think about these as being, you know, sort of work oriented topics, um, in, in the more traditional sense, you know, mm-hmm. go to an office, do a thing, <laughs> you know, engage in commerce, produce work in the world. Um, and... I don't know. I, sort of the first the first thread that I wanted to, to sort of run down was um, the way that that uh, audience affects. Um, I'm trying to even think of a of a really good concrete example I can actually share. Yeah. Well, um, what's the things thought? like yeah. things things like um, email. You know, say in a corporate environment um, or or any institutional environment for mm-hmm. that matter. You know, the way that we change or in some cases don't change enough the way we're framing what we put forward depending on who's mm. who's being written to who's cc'd mm-hmm. um, things like that um 
I don't know, and and um, kind of a related thread that just popped into my head. I'm thinking about thinking about email in particular. Um, how kind of poorly, in the case of email, our tools are even set up to make us think about audience, um, because they do have the two and the CC lines up at the top, so we kind of have to put in who it's for first, mm-hmm. uh, which might be good from a standpoint of making us think about who it's for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think. That's a little bit problematic because in most email programs, all you really need to send the email is to have something in the to field and to have something in the subject and body. And then anytime you hit send or the keyboard combination for send, it just goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, one thing that I've thought in particular many times that would be a nice feature of email is uh, anytime you're replying to more than one person, like anytime you use the reply all, mm-hmm. to make it manually ask you about every person on that list before you hit send, hmm. you know, to pop up a thing and say, do you really still want Bob on this? Do you really <laughs> still want Jane on this? Mm-hmm. Do you really still want the entire ET mailing list on this? Well, when, you know. yeah, when you started talking, what I was thinking of was actually those, those times when you accidentally hit reply all, but you most mm-hmm. certainly just meant to hit reply. <laughs> mm-hmm. so or or in my case, standpoint. Right. I, I, in my case, I've only done this once each, but um, I once hit reply on an email where I was in the BCC. So I, um, <laughs> I'm going to use this as a verb. I saw it on Twitter the other day. I love it. I Kool-Aid manned my way into a conversation <laughs> that I hadn't actually been on before that point. That's excellent. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um and another case in which I was replying to a group of people, I hit reply all. There were five people in the email. Mm-hmm. I meant specifically to talk to two or three of them, and I meant to take the other two out oh. because I was talking specifically about one of them having an over-the-top response to something. No! And how and did I, that affect the situation, Max? Uh, it diffused it and made everyone friends. Yay! Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> but it really would have been great to say, like, you know... Um, you just essentially called Sharon hysterical. Do you really want to leave this in? <laughs> leave her on the, you know, that would have been nice. Now, um, to be clear to any, um, uh, feminist historian listeners we may have, I didn't actually use the word hysterical. I realize that's kind of offensive and gendered terminology. Good um, catch. But, uh, that's what the email program should have, should have asked me because it would have shocked me into realizing. Hey, Max, I, look uh, out. <laughs> I did I did basically say she was blowing up over nothing and do we really want to pursue this further? Um and of course it went to her saying she was blowing up over nothing. Whoops. <sighs> no. I so I'm yeah. Yeah. I'm think- <laughs> just no, killed I- the conversation dead. <laughs> no, no, no. And I'm 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 thinking in my head rather than out loud. Um one thing I'm thinking about is, and of course it, everything comes back to teaching since that's my nominal work, um, in my syllabi in a section that I call something like communication and availability, um, I ask students to, uh, I or rather, I provide them a structure that I would like them to follow when they email me. Um, because after mm. my first year or so of teaching, um, I was noticing that I would have probably unnecessary. I was blowing up. Um, uh, sort of, I mean, not silly because it's how I felt. I, I need to legitimize my feelings, but I would get very frustrated when I would get really flippant and sloppy emails from students. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'd be a single line, but it would actually be three sentences, but you wouldn't know it because there's no punctuation, and no capitalization. <laughs> there's also no greeting. The message mm-hmm. begins with a question that demands mm-hmm. something of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't sign their name. They don't use my name um, or title or whatever. No attempt right. at it. So I would get very frustrated and it would make me less likely to want to help the student and would form a negative image of them. Even mm-hmm. if I, even if I knew them in class and I thought they seemed to be lovely human beings. Um, right. Like that would make me feel like crap and would negatively affect my view of them. So. Yeah. So I put this yeah. I put this policy into my syllabus and since then it worked immediately the first time I tried it um messages I got um followed and it, the structure is very simple it's just please use a greeting um please be clear about what you want from me um and be reasonable um 
you know, pose things as a question. Don't, don't whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. and sign your name at the end. Like, Mm -hmm. so I would, in, in parentheses, I'd put an example and be like, hello, Katie, you know, like to show that's all I want. I just want you to acknowledge that this is a message. You're not just like, so it's, it's not Kool-Aid man, but it would be the equivalent of like running up to someone as they're on their way across campus and like shouting a question without saying hello. Like that's, (laughs) or or shouting a demand, show me what I'm doing wrong in this paragraph. Right. Right. So, and that's how I explained it in class. I say, okay, you might've noticed in the section of the syllabus, this is probably the fussiest part of my whole syllabus, but here's why. When you email me and just mm-hmm. demand things of me and don't say hello and and don't give me the time of day in the message, it feels like you're running up to me and yelling at me. Oh, yeah. And you would never totally. do that to a professor on campus, so please don't right. do it to me in email. Um, yeah. So in that case, like, I was letting them know what sort of, um, I guess, audience member I wanted to be to them. I don't mm-hmm. want them to talk to me the way that they talk to other people. This is how I want them to talk to me in email. Right. Um, yes. Well, and you uh, you learned something there about the audience that you were addressing, um, and and I'm pretty sure I can find some some research related to this to throw into show notes too. <laughs> but it's it's fairly well documented that uh, you know millennials and younger the the generations that are coming up, uh, email is less and less and less part of their digital life. They tend to think of it as being slow, as being old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Um, they regard it kind of the way that say you might regard letter writing. Um, although you might not, you're one of those creative writing types, as you pointed out oh an episode God. or two ago. <laughs> what does that mean? Apparently <laughs> <laughs> I'm into um, letter writing. Yeah, so you're like into writing letters and stuff, right? Um, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, it, email, email to them is this weird, antiquated, overly formal, slow thing that they don't use. Mm-hmm. They're used to Facebook Messenger. They're used to SMS. Right. They are used to doing things that are instantaneous that have no subject line, that generally don't get signed, you know. So so sub- subject line and signature is the equivalent to them of, like, what is to me and you, taking out a pen and a piece of paper and writing the date at the top and saying, Dear Mrs. Henderson, and writing a formal letter, right. you know. Um, well, and I've heard a similar explanation when, <laughs> um, and again, this is sort of generational, it's, it's age-related, Um, people having to tell their parents that they don't need to sign their texts, (laughs) you know, I have not actually heard of that. Oh, you haven't? No. Yes. That is, that is, that is a perfect example. Right. No, I have friends who their parents will, will put love mom at the end of, uh, text messages and things like that. And so eventually (laughs) they're hanging out and having dinner and being like, Oh mom, by the way, it can only be from you. I see who the message is from. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But then if I extend that, then I sound fussy when I'm talking about my email thing, because of course I can see that it's from little Bobby in section three, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. But it, I think there's, I think there is, um, and I, as I'm thinking about it, I mean, there is an audience thing here on both sides. There's an audience breakdown on your part initially, no longer because you figured this out through experience, mm-hmm. but you, you didn't realize that the audience that you were talking to when you provided your email address was an audience that was going to treat that as though it were Facebook Messenger. Right. Because that's all they do. That's all they want to do. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't see anything more than that. They, they, you mm-hmm. know, don't see the point. Um, on, on the flip side, they're addressing you. They're, they're thinking, well, I've got an electronic form, an electronic medium through which I can communicate mm-hmm. uh, with Teach. So I'm <laughs> going to treat it like other electronic media that I use to communicate with people in college. And I'm just going to write out what I think with no sentence case or punctuation and no subject and mm-hmm. send it. Wee. You know, and I, maybe they would have a subject because there's a subject field, but there's no there's no salutation field. Right. Right. You know, so I, I think I think in their case, they are also making a mistake of audience and they're assuming that because you can be reached through the interwebs mm-hmm. uh, that you can be talked to like like anybody else. Um, right. And when before we get get completely off the salutation thread to whatever you're thinking of next, I do also want to mention um, another another frequent person who appears in my mentions for this podcast. Uh, Tom Peters, business guru, uh, very recently tweeted that he really strongly has a distaste for emails that begin with anything except for dear so-and-so. Um, hmm. Which I am I am a big fan of saying, you know, hi so-and-so rather than dear, because I find dear a little bit 
he means deer specifically. Yeah, he he used he used the term deer, hmm. um, and I think he had more than one name as example. So I think he really meant deer, as in you know, as though you're writing a letter. Huh. Um, me personally, I I I don't tend to use deer. I don't think I'd be offended by deer in an email. I tend to say hi, <laughs> or occasionally sure. just name comma. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, typically though it's hi. Um, you know, even even when I'm addressing a group sort of with a generic noun, like, you know, I don't typically do like a Steve Jobsy thing where I start an email with team, comma. Oh, that's um, a thing. I'll, I'll go, yeah, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Team. I've actually done that a couple times. I, I will say, hi, team. Oh, okay. I thought you just meant team. Like, that sounds very, I don't know. Yeah, I, I did, I did, <laughs> I did that, I did that um, today, actually. I said, hi, team, and I was addressing the legal team of our company. Very good. Which even then I was I was snickering about, and I didn't even know we were going to talk about audiences uh-huh. and how to address them. No, tell me more. I want to know what other types of greetings you use. Now I'm now I'm on to this. Yeah. Oh sure. No, I I mean those so are my that's, team. That kind of my big one is just hi. You know, it's <laughs> it's important to me that I say hi such and such comma new line new line. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, I don't know. I just I I feel I do feel dear is a little bit too um, formal. You know, um, and even when I'm writing to an institution of some kind, um, I, I sent an email um, regarding something with the the city buses here one at one point uh, mm-hmm. about a month back, and you know I didn't address it to whom it may concern. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, dear name of whatever the department that handles complaints is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd looked it up online. I don't have it in front of me, obviously, but mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer of the greeting mm-hmm. of the salutation. Um, and I don't think it has to be dear, but I think, I think it's nice to have something in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly when you are writing to somebody in which there is even a perception of a status difference, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, uh, you know, and this is an audience related topic. I think it's nice to tip your hat to that. Even if it's a status difference that you or the other party might want to break down, even if it's a status difference that's largely illusory, hmm. if you're sending somebody an email because you want something from them, you <laughs> want their attention or their help or their anything, I I think it's important to be respectful. Um, and, you know, the reverse is true, too. Like, if you are on top of that that status hierarchy, mm-hmm. you know, sending one one down, I think it's it's a classy gesture to be respectful as well Mm -hmm. you know and not jump straight to the the body of the message Mm -hmm. yeah no i'm super interested in this um the other thing i'm thinking about and it's a little more minute little silly but i'm also thinking about when i use dear i think the only times are when it's an official letter so whether that's Mm -hmm. um of application or on behalf of somebody else. And I'm actually putting it on leather, leatherhead. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. You need to stop mentioning people that you mentioned. (laughs) Um, JK kidding, JK kidding. Um, Letterhead um, that I will be printing and mailing to someone. I think that might be the only time I use dear, but then Mm -hmm. I was also thinking about, this is something that I, I grapple with sometimes, but I pretty much always come down the same way is that I don't like addressing things that are non-human. Mm-hmm. So I don't like saying, dear uh, the Walmart Corporation, <laughs> I'd like to complain who, about who, this I thing. I think you, blah, you blah, often blah. write with, uh, with, your, with your social and environmental concerns, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I don't think I've ever done that, written a letter to Walmart. Um, <laughs> first thing that came to mind. Um, or even... Mm. Um, the such and such department of such and such college. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So when possible, I think I need to, to find the name of a person that I know that mm-hmm. could read this. Right. And then even after that, um, I'm trying to find people language. So like dear Jen Smith and members of, and other members of the search committee, you know, mm-hmm. those are people right. words. Right. Mm-hmm. A more specific version of team, although you wouldn't address them as team if you're not actually <laughs> part of any kind of team with them. Right. I mean, they could be on a team, but it's not my team. Right. And they might not even be on a team. Maybe <laughs> their organization is structured very differently. <laughs> could be. Um, survival of the fittest kind mm-hmm. of situation. But I think keeping people central to your communication 
is important. <laughs> well, it's uh, go, going back to your, your main topic of mm-hmm. audience, um, what we're talking about today. Like, is your audience um, – you are addressing something to a department. I mean, that's that's the whole reason why you have to go look it up. Right. You know, why you don't just why, – why it's even a question about whether or not you would just say, dear, you know – group of people in this building I'm sending a message to. Um, the reason that's even a question is because you know that you are addressing people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a matter of audience. That's because you know that there will be a person or people who see it mm-hmm. and you want them to to do something about it or feel something about it, you know, or mm-hmm. be open to doing something in the future. That's right. why you send the correspondence. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are, again, you're thinking of the audience. You're thinking of who is this going to? Mm-hmm. On on the flip side, it may be more effective if you are sending a complaint letter to Walmart because you don't like the fact that they aren't using free range chickens in their automated checkout process. So I'm going to um, dehumanize the corporation. <laughs> you know, maybe you do fire that off to to Walmart, or you don't find out who the president of Walmart is, and you just say, you know, president of Walmart. Um, <laughs> just say President Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> president Walmart, I and. I am incensed by your use of non-free-range chickens in your automated checkout process. President Walmart, I beseech you. You know, or if, I don't know, there might be, there might be situations in which you are, you know, it's not going to be worth your time to figure it out. You don't, you're not that invested in mm-hmm. what the, what the, whether the other party does what you want or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you are, you're exhibiting that same thing. You are considering who the audience is and how, what they're going to find respectful. It's just like what you asked your students to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they are trying to address you as an audience of, you know, digital peers, the same way they address their, their peeps on Facebook. Um, <laughs> do kids, do kids still say peeps? Oh, I don't know, but that was really cute when you did it. All right, great. Well, we'll, we'll roll with that. Um, <laughs> they're addressing you the same way they want to address their peeps on Facebook, not realizing that you, you find that disrespectful. And I think you're actually doing them a great service because when they get into the corporate world, um, I'm sorry, millennials aren't that important. Email's going to be a thing in the corporate world for <laughs> decades to come. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are giving them a leg up on a lot of their peers mm-hmm. who are going to keep doing that until, you know, somebody else schools them probably yeah. in a harsher way. Well, and at the very least, because here's my thing about audience, and I think this this comes up a lot in all the different things I do uh, mm-hmm. personally and professionally, but it's not that one particular way of addressing an audience is the best. It's that being aware that you have choices when it comes to your audience will help you navigate other situations. So, mm-hmm. so for instance, I'm not suggesting that the way I'm asking them to talk to me in email is the correct way to talk in email because that doesn't exist. There is no such thing as the one correct way to, to talk to somebody in email. Um, mm, except in my case in which Lord and master <laughs> is the preferred salutation. President Walmart. Um, uh, because there are people who don't care and I know that, and I'm not trying to argue with those people. Mm -hmm. I know what makes me feel the most comfortable and productive. So that's what I tell people. Mm -hmm. Um, so if nothing else, um, yeah, you know, maybe it is, it is good because I'm sort of sneakily professionalizing them, which yeah, totally. Um, but at the very least, I'm drawing their attention to the fact that people prefer different things. <laughs> right. Well, and I think you're doing something else that, that is important here and that, that might be a good thread um, for a productivity angle. Um, and that is you are making them reflect on the fact that there even is an audience, um, <laughs> that there even is somebody that this is going to. You know, going mm-hmm. going back a step um to where we talked about how you you don't prefer to you don't like to address non-human things you don't want to say such and such corporation such and such department mm-hmm. you want to address it to a person if possible and if not at least get some more people words in there yeah um and i i think that that activity that exercise as i'm thinking about it uh of making it specific or or even just addressing the entity on the far end like there's a person there at all is good because it's going to affect everything that comes after it. Mm. Um, you know, most typically, I think most of us will write the salutation of the email when we start writing the email. Like, mm-hmm. that's going to come first. So that's a good exercise to do first because then you're in that frame of mind. And I think that will, after that point, change what you write. Um, you're more likely to be empathetic if you are um, thinking of it as being something that's going to a person rather than just like, you know, an ad you're sending out into the world for somebody to fulfill. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going to make 
uh, different choices of your words. You're going to phrase your demand probably more like a question <laughs> if you if you get into that frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm thinking of kind of a I'll I'll draw it back into writing again because apparently we can't talk about anything else. <laughs> um, I think this is a. I think this is an idea that I'm getting from Stephen King, but um, if not, then apologies to whoever Stephen King's getting the royalty check for this for. <laughs> um, but I think I think in one of his um, somewhere or other he's talked about writing. He talks about his his first reader, hmm. like the, the person he's thinking of when he's writing one of his stories. Um, and I think he said it was his wife. I don't know. I might be getting this entirely wrong. Uh-huh. But anyhow, this notion that he's writing the story knowing at least one specific person is going to read it. Hmm. Um, and that, that affects the way he writes, um, possibly for the better. And I, I don't know, I think that's, that's probably a good exercise. You know, when we're talking about audience, how to use it, use this concept in your work. It's probably a good exercise, whatever you're doing, to be thinking about who that audience is and to keep at least some member of that in mind while you're doing it. And, and making it even broader than just like sending an email or writing a novel. Um, although I realize that's what most of everyone in America does most of the time at work is write novels and send email. Um, <laughs> but in case you do anything else, you know, just about everything you do has an audience of some kind. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody reads that report. Somebody is going to use those numbers. Somebody is going to search in that database for the image of the thing you just scanned. Right. Somebody is going to... Um, get a loan or not based on what you put down, you know, as you're walking them through the application. Um, somebody is going to see the nice looking or looking poster that you put together mm-hmm. talking about the corporate retreat, you right. know, that you put up in the break room. Um, you know, you always have an audience and, and keeping them in mind is probably a good way to, to raise your standards a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or at least make them more specific. Mm, yes. Um, that was Stephen King. It's from On Writing. Um, and it was his wife. Very good. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, the other thing I was thinking, and, and maybe this, you'll just agree and there's nothing to discuss here, but I'm also thinking about how even when you are doing Yes, things, I agree. There's nothing to discuss. Well, that's rude. Um, how dismissive. Please continue. Um, fine. Do the podcast on your own. <laughs> and we tried that last week, remember? Right, right. No, I was going to say, or do the thing that I think we joked about in some After Dark at one point about you just splicing together, or no, maybe in a text, just splicing together words that I've said before into new <laughs> sentences. <laughs> I don't think I agree with you. Well, Katie, you're stupid. I think that is stupid. <laughs> Cut all of that. Mm, um, it's already done. Yay! No, I was thinking about how even when something will not have an external audience. So um, in calm studies, what we would call intrapersonal communication, things that are for communicating with oneself, um, you can be good to yourself as an audience member. So I'm thinking of things like, um, goes back to GTD, I'll take my own drink. Um, When you have a system that works for you, you are treating yourself as an audience member um, who's time and attention are, are valuable and um, it's worthwhile capturing information in a way that works um, mm. and processing it and dealing with it. Um, you're being good to your, I don't know. Does that, I mean, am I going too far? Does, does that make sense to say you can be good to yourself as an audience member? Uh, no, absolutely. And I, I think actually you just, you walked into another, um, another good side thought on this. Uh, and that is, um, both for ourselves and for other people, we we often tend to be very bad at leaving or giving instructions. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and and from the GTD angle, uh, there's I I am actually familiar with um, a study on this, and I'll I'll try to get a link for show notes. Um, but uh, there was a, a researcher some years ago um, whose name is currently eluding me, but uh, made a study of to do lists. Mm. And found one of the big problems that people had, um, in addition to having to-dos spread all over their entire work and life and little post-it notes and scraps of paper and backs of napkins and things, in addition to more traditional tools, um, was also that most of these were very poorly written. Mm. Um, you know, they would find things like, you know, uh, and I'm all, this is, David Allen uses this example as well as something that's often on a to-do list. They would write things like, mom. <laughs> 
Um, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, Beth, well, blah, blah, because they meant to talk to Beth about something. Right. Or Beth was talking about something. And the problem with that kind of reminder is when you come back to it a couple hours later or a couple days later or a couple weeks later, you don't know what that was about. Right. And then you've got, you have, now you have two problems. One is you didn't do something that you committed to yourself or to someone else you're going to do. And two, you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think considering taking yourself seriously as an audience for things that you, you write down, you know, um, uh, there was, um, I'm blanking on this example. I mm-hmm. might cut this out, but there was, I did hear on a podcast recently, somebody talking about making really bad appointments, huh. um, on their calendar where they say things like prep <laughs> and mm. nothing else. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. There's no object. Or, or, you know. If you take the time to actually fill in an appointment on your calendar all the way, if you take the time to actually write out instead of Beth, blah, blah, talk to Beth about Thursday's dinner party, right. whatever it was you needed to talk to Beth about. I don't even know Beth, so I'm not sure what you talk to her about. Maybe she whatever it is, dinner. though, you know that when you're writing the to-do list down. But why don't you treat your future self as an audience, you know, that's going to need that information and that isn't one going to want to have to have remembered or to figure out what that means. Right. You know, take them seriously, write it down. And then you've got two things. Number one, when you come back to it as an audience member for your own to-do list, you're going to have an easier time remembering what that was about. But two, um, and this becomes more important, again, I'm leaning back on just traditional work, corporate environment kind of stuff. If you have to hand that off, the better oh. instruction you left yourself, the easier a time you're going to have that handing that off to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kind of to broaden that out just from like tasks and calendar appointments, you know, think about procedures. Like if you scrawled and scribbled in the margins and drew a bunch of arrows all over a page full of notes you took mm-hmm. over the course of a couple hours of training, that might be really useful to you for years to come. Uh, but it also might not, you know, if it's something you don't do very often, you might come back in six months and be like, I, uh, I need to go ask Beth how to do this again. <laughs> um, I don't know why I'm picking on Beth so much. I don't even know a Beth right now. Oh, Beth. Um, but you know, if, if you think of that though, think of yourself as the future audience for those notes and take the time to transcribe them out in you know, Word or Pages or your application of choice and drop in some screenshots and really make it all make sense to your future self as your audience. Mm -hmm. Again, same thing. If you need to show somebody else how to do that, you're going to be so far ahead. Um, And and in that case, you know, maybe you start from the get-go thinking, well, someday I might need to show somebody else. Mm -hmm. But even if you just think of it as for yourself, you know, if you pick any one person and treat them as as a serious audience member in need of respect, you're going to produce something more useful to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think in the same way that, um, you know, I think you put it as I'm, I'm sort of doing my students a favor by letting them know what I prefer. Um, yeah, I think you could do that same thing for yourself. Mm-hmm. You can, <laughs> you can walk the walk, you know, you, you know what you want to do with your, well, maybe you don't, but, <laughs> um, you know, assuming you have goals and things that you enjoy doing and things that you want to do. Um, you can organize things and treat them in a way as if you take that seriously and you really do want to be able to, um, plan a trip or pick up a new hobby or keep up on a hobby that you've started. Um, you know, when you stay on top of, um, the things you're working on, you allow yourself to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and I guess one one more sort of capstone thought. I think I might have alluded to this a little bit before, but uh, again, thinking of worky type things, just one thing I, I want to underscore because I think it's hugely valuable in all this. Um, and that is, I, I think it's important not just to know, you know, pick out a specific audience that you are doing anything for, Mm -hmm. um, whether that's an email or a to-do list or whatever, but also just to keep in mind in everything you do, the idea that there could be an audience. Um, even if you don't know who that is Mm. and even if, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't (laughs) say, I wouldn't say necessarily that, um, everything that you do is eventually going to be seen by the CEO of your company. Mm -hmm. And if your company is, has any number of employees over, you know, two digits, then that becomes 
more and more unlikely. But the more things that you do with the idea that if the CEO sees it, he's going to be very impressed, Mm -hmm. you know, the better off you're probably going to be. Right. If you keep in mind that for every stupid thing you do, whether it's the calendar that shows when who's out of the office, you know, and when the vacation days are and make sure we have coverage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you make that look spectacular and everyone can understand at a glance how the whole thing works and it's always in everybody's hands every Monday morning or whenever it needs to be. Um, you know, if you do it with a lot of polish, knowing that there is potentially an audience you're not even thinking of, I think you're going to be well served by that. Right. Um, and going back to your emails, you know, people just shoot emails off into the void, hoping to get some kind of response. Um, they might, they might do it in sort of a, a casual lackluster, the same way I talk to my peeps on Facebook way, uh, as you described your students doing. But if you assume, as you do when you're sending correspondence to people at another institution, that there's a person there. Right. You know, you, you treat it as though there could be an audience, even, even if you don't know who that audience is. Right. Um, you're probably going to write a better letter. Hail President Walmart. <laughs> Hail President Walmart. <laughs> Lord business. <laughs> That's what it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was ringing a bell. Oh, Everything man. is awesome. <laughs> Especially when you know who your audience is. Boom. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review, as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-M. Thanks again for listening. Did you did you want to go anywhere else with that one? Uh, one thing I thought of um, on your last little stretch there, um, we Americans just love telling each other and putting on inspirational posters and things. Um, the phrase "dance like nobody's watching," mm-hmm. which is which is the opposite of what you're saying. It's like no, dance as if anybody can see you at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, as you know, I am a professional choreographer. No!